As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is our first, first one of these, so... Oh, excellent. I can hear you. Thanks, Fernando. I think there's a way, if you guys want to ask a question, to request to quote-unquote take the stage, and then I can unmute you. You can ask whatever. You can talk about whatever. Life, Packers. So we'll kind of work through the kinks of this as we get going. You can ask anything you want. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas. Just let me know who's going to be the first one, the first ever question in our Packers live room. Let's hear it. Ross. Can you hear me, Matt? I can hear you. Perfect. So what are we doing with Jordan Love if Rodgers resigns? What's the realistic thing that we could do and expect from him in terms of a trade? I keep thinking about maybe using him as a package with a pick to move up and say like round two or round three, but you're the man, you know, better than I do. <laughs> That's a really interesting question and, and appreciate the question. And I'm going to leave you unmuted just in case you want to go back and forth on it a little. Okay. It, 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 if they extend Aaron Rodgers, it's, it's going to be at least a two year extension is my guess. I understand that, you know, retirement seems like a possibility. So it, it seems um, contrary to what they should do to give him a long-term extension, maybe. But let's say they give him a two-year, $92 million extension. Then he's under contract through 2024. Jordan Love's fifth-year option has to be guaranteed after next season. That automatically guarantees his base salary for the 2024 season. They don't want to have two massive quarterback salaries on the roster. I'm going to mute you for a second just because there's something going on in the background there. Sorry, Bill. No, you're good. Yeah, I, I think if they extend Aaron Rodgers, you got to look into trading Jordan Love. Not because, you know, Jordan Love's not ready or whatever, which could very well be the case. But like I said, you're going to have to guarantee his fifth-year option after this coming season, which means if Aaron Rodgers is still under contract through that extension, you have two massive quarterback salaries on the roster um, in 2024 and the Packers don't want that. And it's not like they can make the decision when they get there. Like I said, Jordan loves fifth year option becomes guaranteed 
next offseason. So if they choose to, sure, they could extend Aaron Rodgers and then not guarantee Love's fifth year option. Let him just play out the fourth year. See, give him another year uh, to see what he has in his third year. And if Aaron Rodgers gets injured or if Aaron Rodgers chooses to retire, they still have Jordan Love. And as you guys all know, um, no team values the backup quarterback position more than the Green Bay Packers. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just kept Jordan Love, even if they extended Rodgers. But um, I think they should trade him. My uh, most interesting piece of this uh, would be, would Brian Gutekunst be willing to kind of swallow his ego? Not admit that he made a wrong pick, because at the time, you could see it was the right pick. Nobody would have guessed that Aaron Rodgers would have won MVP the last two years. But would he swallow his ego, say, you know, my prized first-round quarterback, my biggest pick as general manager, I now have to trade for a fourth-round pick? Or, like Ross said, package to move up. It's possible. So my opinion is I think they should trade him if they extend Aaron Rodgers. But I wouldn't be surprised if that surprised if that pride ego part of Brian Gutekunst, which you have to have if you're an NFL general manager to get to this point, takes over and says, let's stick this out for as long as possible. Then they don't extend. If they extend Aaron Rodgers, they're not exercising Jordan Love's fifth year option. But I wouldn't be surprised if they let him play out his rookie contract, keep him on the team just in case something happens to Rodgers, whether that's injury or retirement, if that makes sense. We got 55 people in here. I know 56. I know someone has a question. Devontae Adams, if you guys want any untold stories of the Packers beat. Oh, here we go from Nick. Nick, you got me? Yeah, I do. How you doing? Good. Okay, so here's my question. Yes. What changed in your opinion as to what? Because initially you were on the in the boat that Rodgers was coming back. Right. And then you changed your tune a little bit after the playoff loss. What changed in your opinion and in your mind that he's now Rogers is most likely gone. And I know Denver fans are all excited about this. So <laughs> good question. And I'd be interested to hear what you think. So I'm going to keep you unmuted. I might even be changing my mind again. And I know that's like being wishy-washy, but the thing with Aaron Rodgers is this changes like every week. So during the season, obviously everything with the front office has been smoothed over. You know, that is not a problem anymore. Aaron Rodgers, as I've written and said, has a purpose with every word he says. He doesn't go out of his way to praise the signings of Whitney Merciless, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, if he doesn't really like what the front office is doing. And he's going out of his way to, you know, give Brian Gutekunst hugs at practice while, while he knows we're all watching and, and praise them. So front office is not a problem. That's why I thought he was going to be back, because I truly thought the Packers would at least make a Super Bowl. Being in that post-game press conference or post-game Zoom conference, whatever you want to call it, after they lost to the 49ers, there was a feeling of if we couldn't do it now, and, and I'm speaking you know, from Roger's perspective, if we couldn't do it now, when are we going to be able to do it? And I think he still knows that Green Bay is his best chance to win a championship. But hearing him talk about, you know, I don't know if it's going to be possible given our cap situation, hearing him say how this season ended and, this, and the, that loss will definitely impact my decision, I got the sense that in his mind he's saying, if it didn't happen this year in Green Bay, it's never going to happen. So might as well try my hand somewhere else, um, especially if, you know, we're going to have to go through 
hoops and bounds and whatever to, to field a championship contender and get under the cap. So that's why I said I, I think he'd be out. And then um, with Hackett going to Denver, I think this is not anything against LaFleur, but I think Rodgers would love to play with Hackett. Yes, it's going into a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. But I think just sometimes you run your course somewhere. And I think maybe, it, listen, it's his fault and the special team's fault that it didn't happen this year. Rodgers did not play well. So I'm not saying he's saying, oh, I'm going to get out so I can go find uh, surrounding parts that'll help me better. He knows it was his fault. But I just think there was this sense of, if not now in Green Bay, then when? But listening to him talk, and I know I'm rambling here a little bit, listening to him talk after he gave his MVP speech uh, or his MVP press conference with us, it seems like it's retirement or Green Bay because he, he starts off talking about uh, what he still needs to weigh in order to come to a decision. And he said, I got to kind of figure out what place is right for me. And then he corrected himself. He said, no, not place. So that almost says to me, he doesn't need to consider what place would be best for him and that it's either Green Bay or retirement. So in summation, I have no goddamn idea what he's going to do. <laughs> and I'm done making predictions. What do, you, what do you think? Let me let me unmute Brenton and Ross and we'll go one at a time, Nick, first, what you guys think is best for him and what you guys think is actually going to happen. So what I think is best for him is to stay in Green Bay. I mean, especially if he's considering retirement this thoroughly, I guess you could say. Um, I think that staying in Green Bay and not having to go to Denver and make new connections and be on a new team for what? I mean, realistically, if they go out and, for whatever reason, are able to find a way to win the Super Bowl this year in 2022, I I just I'd see him retiring right after that. So I wonder, you know, in Denver, would he win a Super Bowl in 2022 right away? I there's the there's the Matthew Stafford argument, there's the Tom Brady argument, but Rodgers hasn't been good enough in the playoffs to show that he can do something like that. And right. Matthew Stafford just never got a chance. So that's why I think it worked out for Matthew Stafford in L.A. Also, a lot of things went right for the for the Rams to get to the Super Bowl this year, including the Packers losing on a fluke special teams play. And maybe it wasn't a fluke because we'd had problems all year. But still, I just I, it's hard for me to believe that going to Denver is going to be his best shot at winning the Super Bowl. I also feel like as a Packer fan, it'd, it'd feel a little bit disheartening if he went there. And, you know, I, I guess played one year and retired. I, I, I don't know. It, you would think that he would maybe get, give Green Bay his last efforts and call it right. quits. But I guess he, owes, he doesn't feel like he owes a whole lot to the organization aside from or after the, after the Jordan Love pick. So that's where I stand. I, I think he should stay in Green Bay, but I'm a Packer fan. So that's why I think that. <laughs> I hear you. Appreciate that, Nick. I'm going to mute people well, when they're not talking. So, Ross, what do hey, you Matt. Well, you know, one of the things that I keep thinking about, and, and I think you guys uh, that cover the Packers really understand it, is if he were to go, you know, you guys always are speculating that it's two ones and Jerry Judy or two, you know, two picks and, and maybe Noah Fant. And, uh, you know, you look at what they have in terms of a roster construction and what you guys have speculated that know the cap better than I do is that they're going to find a way to keep Devontae as a, as a prerequisite for Rodgers returning. 
So you now have Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You have a better running back combination than what Denver currently has. You have a better offensive line than what Denver has. So you look at that, and then you just have to say, okay, in order for Denver to even get him, how are they going to fill the team around him? If they're going to have Jerry Judy, is he coming back? Is Noah Fan coming back? Or is it Cortland Sutton? So, you know, it looks like if he were to go to Denver, he's got a worse team. And, yes, we're all Packer fans, and, yeah, I think we're. It seems like a lot of people are split 50-50 as to whether or not they want him back on the squad. Um, just given that, you know, keep banging our heads in the playoffs. But ultimately, if it does truly come down to him, and it's not posturing by the front office by, you know, having it leak on the Super Bowl Sunday that they're willing to give him whatever it takes, it sure does seem like his best opportunity to win is in Green Bay in 2022. I totally agree. All right, Brenton, you're up. Let me unmute you. Hold on. Oh, geez. Are you able to unmute yourself? Brenton, you're up. Hey, Matt. So, uh, you know, I agree with the other people. You know, you look at the divisions. I mean, clearly the NFC North is half the division of the AFC West. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason why Rodgers would leave to go there. But I've also seen some of your pieces. You talk about a package deal where they send Adams and Rodgers to Denver. And I think, why does Green Bay owe Adams that or Rodgers that? I mean, why would you not split them up and get the most cap you could, or most picks you could get by sending like Adams to Philly or to New York and then send Rodgers to Denver? We don't owe Rodgers anything if he wants to leave, in my opinion. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And, and I don't entirely disagree. Um, you make a good point in that if you send both of them to, to one team, that team is probably not going to give up the haul that it would take to get both of them. Um, my thinking behind that was doing right by the guys who have, you know, helped make your franchise what it is over the last decade. But you bring up a good point. The pack, this is a business. Packers don't owe them anything. I honestly think that Devonte is is going to be a Packer regardless, because um, now I, I think it's Rogers is either retiring or staying Green Bay, um, and sure Devonte could, you know, go to Las Vegas with Derek Carr or you know go to Philly or go to L.A. with the Chargers, but the Packers are in the driver's seat. They can franchise tag him, and then he can't go anywhere. Or they could tag and trade him. Um, but what would they get back in return? A first-round pick? I don't think that's worth it for – I don't think you want to just get a first-round pick to to trade for Devontae Adams because that first-round pick is most likely not going to turn into Devontae Adams. So it'll be fascinating to see what they do. I just said that package deal because maybe a team like the Broncos wants to go all in for – you know, the next couple of years and really mortgage their future. Would I do it if I were the Broncos? No, but I could see a team desperate like that to get back to the Super Bowl doing it for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. But I ultimately think they're a package deal. Um, listen, I don't know how much say the players are going to have in what happens here. I do think the Packers might want to do right by them a little bit. Um, and that probably extends itself to just going to the AFC. The Packers aren't going to trade either of them to the NFC probably. Uh, and the only service they'll do to them is say, if you want out, 
here you go. You can get out, but we're not trading you to to the NFC. So I could see that. But you bring up a good point. They don't know them anything. You know, a, a casual may say, yeah, they do because of everything they've given to the franchise. But this is a business, as you know. So that's a good point. All right, Mitchell, let me try and get you unmuted here. Are you able to unmute yourself? Yeah. I'm there good. you Okay, you got me? Yeah, I got a I got a question about uh the Packers special team moves this offseason. Yeah. Specifically uh Dick Passaccia. How's the yes, family? Sir. Um like what immediate impact do you think we'll see between like now and say the start of next season, throw the off season, will we see any immediate moves or will it more be like a long game, like trying to build something for the future? Yeah, I was in the boat that the the players were the bigger problem than than Mo Drayton. And, you know, it was funny because Isaac Yadam, who the Packers cut right before that 49ers game, who played some of the highest percentage of special team snaps for them all season, tweeted during that 49ers game, Mo Drayton isn't and never was the problem. Players got to execute. But you guys know. For a special teams unit that bad, there has to be a scapegoat. And you can't fire the whole special teams unit, so you got to fire the coach. Did Mo Drayton deserve to keep his job? No. But I don't think he was the biggest problem. Now, will it fix everything, hiring a new coach who had a good season and impressed people as an interim coach with the Raiders? No. The whole philosophy has to change on special teams. And that's not just hiring a coach. That's not just hiring an assistant that has worked with him, Byron Storer, who's the new uh, assistant special teams coach who was college teammates with Aaron Rodgers. Um, It's playing more starters on special teams. It's finding guys who are primarily special teamers, not Oren Burks, who's a linebacker who can also fill in on special teams. You got to get guys who are special teamers who can also fill in at linebacker, if that makes sense. Guys who that's their main job. And that's what Matt LaFleur told us the Monday after the season ended was we need to find guys who specialize in doing this stuff. You can't just throw Ty Summers and Oren Burks and Isaac Yadam on special teams and then say, oh, you know, let's throw Alan Lazard out there for a snap. Let's throw Rasul Douglas out there for a snap. Let's put Tyler Lancaster as as the wing on a field goal block. Like, no, you got to have guys who this is their job. And an interesting stat of the 14 teams that made the playoffs, the Raiders were the team that used the highest percentage of starters on special teams during the regular season. Rich Passaccia, obviously. The Packers used the fewest percentage of starters on special teams. And Matt LaFleur told us after the season, he'd look around the league, do some studies on how often starters were valued. So it's no coincidence that he said that. And then he hired the special teams coordinator from the playoff team who used the highest percentage of starters. So listen, I understand A.J. Dillon got hurt. I understand there's risk to it. Matt LaFleur knows that. He acknowledged that when he talked to us. But I think it's going to have to be a total overhaul, not just with the coaches, but an overhaul of the entire philosophy of you can't just throw bottom of the roster guys on special teams. You need a guy like I'm not going to say you're going to find a guy like Matthew Slater or Anthony Levine, these guys who have been in the league for a decade just as special teamers. But you got to find a guy who excels at special teams. And then can also fill in on defense. Not a guy who plays defense and then can also fill on in special team. Good question. Dylan, can you unmute yourself? I think you guys have. Okay, perfect. I'm unmuted. So 
Matt, I got a question for you. This is something I've been thinking about quite a bit, especially from from the past years. And it seems like one of the knocks on Rodgers, you know, obviously we had the uh, special teams implode um, in that game. But there was definitely moments where, you know, Rodgers could have found Lazard and, and target, targeted Devontae. You know, is that all just to, you know, avoid this interceptions? You know, he's having this great record of, of no interceptions. You know, the passer rating has been through the roof. You know, but then he, you know, he doesn't convert on some drives and, you know, potentially one other pass, you know, saves that whole game, regardless of the special teams and regardless of those, you know, errors all year, we were able to give victory. So what is it going to take for, you know, Rodgers to start, you know, trusting other receivers or or if we do keep them, you know, how do we bring somebody in or who, who talks to him about, hey, maybe taking some more risks and, you know, Stafford threw two interceptions in that game, but he, he won the Super Bowl. So, right. you know, what? What can what does the team have to do to? That's a good question. I mean, we've brought up to Aaron a couple times this concept of forcing the ball to Devonte, and he has said, and rightfully so, there's no such thing as forcing the ball to the best receiver in the league. You want to throw it to him as as many times as possible. But that play where he has Lazard wide open on the deep crosser on fourth down in the divisional round is a perfect example of. Okay, Aaron, maybe sometimes you do trust Devontae a little too much. And and for all the talk we've heard about, you know, how much he trusts Randall Cobb and how much he trusts MVS. I know MVS didn't play in that game. How much he trusts Alan Lazard. I think he needs to trust them a little bit more because we heard so much, for example, about Randall Cobb coming back. And then Rodgers throws one pass to him and it's almost picked off. I, I, if I remember correctly, it was in the left flat and, and Cobb was guarded really closely. Listen, I, I don't think Aaron's like a, a checkdown guy and he's super conservative. Yes, he has great touchdown to interception numbers. He doesn't, you know, have any turnover worthy plays, but I don't think that's because he's being conservative. I think there's a difference between being conservative and, and calculated in the risks you take. And I think he takes calculated risks and we can't just say, oh, he he doesn't trust guys. He just checks it down. He, he doesn't take risks. Does he force the ball to Devontae? Probably, but most times it's warranted. I, I think it's easy for us to look at that uh, divisional round game and say, so what have you done for me lately, league? That's the one that sticks out because it was the last pass he threw all season. And it, and it kind of encapsulated this worry that fans have had, and rightfully so, that he's not spreading it around enough. Does that mean these receivers aren't getting open? Does it mean Rodgers isn't trusting them enough? It's an, it's an interesting conundrum. Uh, I think part of it is Rodgers just needing to trust his other guys more. I, I think it lies mostly on him because uh, guys do get open and he still looks for Devontae. Most times it does work. So you can't blame him for that. It, it's, a, it's a small sample size of times it doesn't work. But I also think they need receivers who can get open more consistently. And I also think as maddening as it can be to root for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as fans, I think him, the threat he poses to take the top off of defenses and open things up underneath really opens things up for guys like Lazard and Cobb who can't really create separation on their own as consistently because they're not that fast compared to other receivers. So not having MVS uh, was probably a cause for some of that in that game, but I do think Rodgers needs to trust some guys more. Will he do that with the guys they have on the roster? I don't know. I, I still think regardless of what happens, because you're most likely going to lose MVS and possibly Cobb. 
and probably EQ in free agency to draft a wide receiver late in the first round. But I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. All right, Matthew W., great name. You want to unmute yourself? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Um, I've been listening to what you're saying. My honest belief, and I'm really content if he leaves. I mean, I've been a Packers fan since I was little. My dad's been with him since Lombardi. And he made an interesting point, and he was like, this situation is different than it was with Favre, and we all know that. And he said, I'm not convinced if the right deal came around from an NFC team that the Packers would not take it. Okay. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think Denver is a possibility. Uh, is a possibility. I wouldn't. Um, I think the dark horse is Indy. I mean, they're still sitting with about fifty million dollars. Um, around forty-five to fifty million dollars under the under the cap, and they're going to eat something for Wentz. But I mean, what are the Packers going to be if Aaron um, if Aaron leaves? Probably a five hundred, slightly better team. I think. You, if, if that's the case, what you're going to need to do, you're going to need to have somebody come in to push um, love. Somebody. I, I don't know if you, you, you trade a second to get Jimmy G mm-hmm. or something like that or something. But what's a, uh, uh, a young rookie quarterback's practically a rookie, best friend, good running game, good defense. Yep. And that's what I would do. If, if you're going to let him, if you're going to move him, get the best offer. Because there was bad blood between Favre and the Packers at the end. And that's why, why I really think they traded him to the AFC. Because they knew he wanted to go to Minnesota. And we're like, uh-uh, we're going to trade you to the Jets. And go have fun there. So, as a Packer fan, if it happens, it happens. I'm still going to root for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the Packers should shun any deal from the NFC if it comes their way. I mean, we already saw what happened with um, Goff and Stafford. That's so. a good point. Uh, I, I think you have a good point. If uh, I'll say quickly, I don't think it's going to be Indy because they don't have a first-round pick this year from that Carson Wentz trade. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So the Packers probably wouldn't take an offer from them, um, even though you know that's an easy spot to say, oh, they, they could be having a change at quarterback. Two things. I think you bring up a good point. If if an NFC team blows them out of the water with an offer, is it possible? Sure. You know, at the end of the day, the Packers don't want to play him, obviously. But if if an offer is a little bit better from an NFC team, I don't think they do it. If it blows them out of the water, like you said, I could see Brian Gutekunst, you know, considering it. It's funny because you mentioned the Favre thing. I think it was, I, I mean, I wasn't here when that was happening. I was 13 years old back in 2000. <laughs> uh, I think it was Tampa. I think the, the way I've been told the story from my fellow beat writers who were here, Ted Thompson basically said, where do you want to go? He, Tampa or the Jets? And Brett said Tampa. And he was like, all right, you're going to the Jets. Um, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Packers don't owe him anything. They got to do what's best for for them as a franchise. So I think that's why we're pinpointing AFC teams is because sending him to Denver or Pittsburgh or whoever that you might not see him in the playoffs is the best thing for the Packers as a franchise. But let's say the Broncos say, we'll give you two first round picks for Aaron Rodgers, and that's it. And then let's say the 49ers come 
and say, Trey Lance isn't ready. We'll give you three first round picks and, you know, a player. I don't know what player. Three first round picks and Javon Kinlaw, their first round defensive lineman from a couple of years ago. Right. I don't know. I'm just throwing a hypothetical. Yeah. I think you got to take that deal because it's significantly better. And then just cross your fingers and pray that you do not see the 49ers in the playoffs again. Um, well, uh, yeah, and, and you're right in the in the sense. I just they don't owe him anything, but it's it's I don't I don't think they're gonna put him. He's done enough for the franchise in over the years that it's like we're gonna look out for you, but then we're not right. So, but like you said, if they come with three first round picks and Kenlaw. Yeah, jump on it because Trey Lance isn't ready. But if Trey Lance isn't ready, are you? And of course, they're more than likely going to redo a deal with Aaron once he gets there. Do you really? I mean, it's the same thing with Love. If Aaron stays, what do you do with Love? Do you re- re- Love run out his contract? And we've already seen what Trey Lance can do. And he, from what we've seen by him, he looks a lot better than um, Jordan Love did. So I don't think the Boy Niners would would pull the trigger on that. I, I think you could, I mean, I think Carolina could be in play as much as he probably wouldn't want to go there. Carolina <laughs> would, yeah. Carolina would be in, um, a, a nice place for him to go. The Saints, no, 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 not the Saints because they got, they're in the salary cap hell. Um, but I mean, I, I just don't think the Packers just um, thumb their nose up at, at any, any NFC, uh, NFC offers, especially like you said, if it's like the San Francisco type ish deal, mm-hmm. I think Miami. I mean, Miami should be. There's so many teams that should be in play, but don't don't throw your nose up on the NFC. Get what you can get. I'm not, I don't. I don't think Love's the answer. I don't think he is at all. But I think you just don't give Love that job. Love needs to be pushed yep. for that job. I agree. Uh, I appreciate you, Matthew. And before we get to Nick S., uh, I think two quick things. If Jordan Love is the next quarterback, I could see the Packers going the 49ers route and say, you know what, we'll stick with a a mediocre starting quarterback and just build our team around a dominant run game and a defense. Because guess what? It's worked for the 49ers, so it can work somewhere else. Maybe Maybe the Packers say, we got to try a different formula here instead of great passing quarterback, mediocre defense, and good running game, maybe we try to just bolster the defense, free up all this cap space with Rodgers and maybe even Adams, and use that to build an even more dominant running game. I mean, they wouldn't lose any of their current running backs. They already have two really good running backs. And then strengthen the defense, defensive line even more, maybe re-sign both Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell, and try that formula because it's worked for the 49ers. It can work for the Packers. So I'd be interested to see if, if the Packers try that route. And then also on the on the topic of if Rodgers does leave, who do they bring in to maybe challenge Love? Keep an eye on Marcus Mariota. He is a free agent this year. They wouldn't need to give up anything for him. He was the starting quarterback in Tennessee when Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator there in 2018. I'm not saying, you know, he would challenge Jordan Love for the starting job, but they used him in Vegas this year in kind of like special packages, not like a Taysom Hill type thing, but in running situations to just change up the pace a little bit. And I could see him coming in in case disaster strikes with Jordan Love. Marcus can start and he's 
you know, familiar with LaFleur's system, but also to kind of change up the offense, uh, provide some of that unpredictability, some of that trickery that we never see because Aaron Rodgers isn't that type of quarterback. All right, Nick, unmute yourself. All right. So do you think that pick number nine from the Denver Broncos is enough? No. In the event that we do trade them, trade up Rodgers, and we're pretty much guaranteed that we'll get a 2023 pick that's from anywhere between 25 and 32. Uh, and same with even a 2024 pick, if we're even able to get that much. Um, so do you think that pick number nine in this draft, because personally I would like to see it be higher. Yeah. Uh, is that enough? And then how do the Packers win in a trade situation? What is a, winning trade look like for the Green Bay Packers if they trade Rodgers and Devontae Adams or just Rodgers alone? Yeah, I don't think pick number nine is is enough. But the thing is, what teams – let me pull up the draft order right now. What teams above them um, would want to trade for Rodgers and, and give the Packers a higher pick, I think – that's as good as you're going to do. So Jacksonville, no. Detroit, Detroit's not going to trade for Rodgers. Houston, no. The Jets, no. The Giants, I mean, the Giants probably would, but Aaron Rodgers isn't. Aaron Rodgers would retire instead of go to the Giants. Carolina, he'd probably retire instead of go there. They got nothing. Atlanta, I doubt it. So Denver is really that first team that I could see making that deal. You bring up a good point, though. Maybe the Packers don't want to do a trade because that draft pick, that first round pick isn't good enough. And then, like you mentioned, the the picks in future years won't be that good because if you have Aaron Rodgers, you're probably not going to be picking too high. As for your second question, what would a a win look like? You'd have to judge a couple of years down the road because it was funny. I'm in a group chat with some of my friends from college and they brought up screenshots the other day of me saying that Detroit won the Matthew Stafford trade because of how much LA gave up. Well, look at it now. The Rams obviously won that trade, but guess what? If, if Detroit is able to turn those picks into key pieces for who knows a Super Bowl team in five years, I don't think that's going to happen. Then it won't, it won't exactly. Then you can say they both won. So I I think you got to give it time, obviously in the immediate future, any team that gives up Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is probably not going to win that trade right away. But let's say the Packers build a, a Super Bowl contender with those picks that they get, but they don't contend for another three years. I could still say the Packers win that trade and, and whatever team gets them could win the trade as well. So it's it's a tricky thing to to kind of classify the winners and losers of a trade. That's why I'm so not a fan of uh the the letter grades for draft picks 10 minutes mm. after draft ends and the letter grades for trades 10 minutes after they end. It takes sometimes half a decade to find out who really won and lost these trades. Right. The nature of the business. Well, that's why I see this as a, almost like a lose situation to begin with, no matter what. And I'm just, we're going to look bad when we do, when and if we do trade Aaron Rodgers, we're going to look bad. So that's just my my thought process but thanks for answering my question my pleasure all right charlie h hey matt um when we talk about the green bay pack intrude with the salary caps you know would only draft a certain player wouldn't sign many free agents 
wouldn't rarely give second big contracts to players, even let alone third contracts. We've seen big players walk, i.e. the Corey Lindsleys of this world. But when we talk about that, is that the Green Bay Packers of old? And do we have to look at them now in a certain new way under Gooty? Because this is a team that is now 50 million uh, over the cap, several uh, voidable years, several contracts kicked down the road. And maybe the way the Green Bay Packers go about their business has vastly changed from the Green Bay Packers of old. It's possible. I mean... I forget what Mark Murphy said in an interview. I think it was with Tom Grossi before the season that you only give third contracts to Hall of Famers. Mm. Well, that would seem to be the case with Devontae Adams. They've obviously done that with Aaron Rodgers. Um, if they still do that with Devontae, I would assume they do eventually, or they should, not just because of what Mark said there. But you bring up an interesting point. And I go back to the trade deadline this year. And in hindsight, it obviously probably would have been a good move to make. But, you know, we only have we only have 2020 vision here. So at the trade deadline, I remember asking Devontae Adams, you know, do you get your hopes up for Odell Beckham Jr. or not? Because he's been around here eight years. I said, you've told us before that you know it's not like this organization to make these big in-season swings. And Devontae said, I know, but my hopes are up for this one. And then it ended up not happening. And, and I know they were in on him. I know it, it was eventually, you know, they couldn't really offer him any more than the vet minimum. Um, but it just goes to, to show the Packers, like you said, are traditionally not that team that make those big in-season swings, you know, sign those marquee free agents. I, but you could make the exception, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner, Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, Goody's first free agent class out really, really well. So you could already debunk that myth with that class. They only draft certain positions or whatever. I could see that too. But, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing or has been the intention of Brian Gutekunz, the Packers have kind of distanced themselves from that Ted Thompson era. God rest his soul. But Brian Gutekunst is a different general manager than Ted. And I could see him uh, starting to do things his own way, even as much as he said uh, that he has that Ted influence, that Ted taught him everything he knows about being a general manager. As we embark into this new era, potentially, of Green Bay Packers football, if Aaron Rodgers isn't here, I could see the Packers changing things up because is Jordan Love the next guy? Can you just follow the same organizational blueprint that has gotten you so far the last two decades? I say so far, even though they've you know won only two Super Bowls. Can they just follow the same blueprint of letting the defense slide by, letting the special team slide by, and just hoping that your quarterback is really good? Probably not. You're going to probably have to make some big in-season trades for uh, defensive guys or big free agent signings even more defensive guy you know change that emphasis on special teams so if they don't have Aaron Rodgers I could see some of those things that that you align with the old Green Bay Packers definitely changing if they do have Aaron Rodgers I don't know how much we'll see that change cheers Matt appreciate you looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Ross, what do you got? All right, Matt. Earlier in the chat, you had said something to the effect of if they re-sign Rodgers to a two-year, $46 million deal that goes through 2024. So the question I would have for you is, what do you think in terms of guarantees? Is that kind of what you think he's kind of debating right now in his mind? Do you think that that would be a – he's kind of thinking, okay, I got three more years in me, or are you thinking – it's two years, two years of guarantees, and that third year is the void year. I'm just kind of curious as to what you think that contract structure is actually going to be um, and how much longer you think he kind of wants to play just based off of the uh, dialogue you've had with him in the in the uh, Zoom calls. Sure. Um, well, he has publicly said before that he wants to retire with the Packers, or this was before the Jordan Love draft pick, that he wants to retire with the Packers well into his 40s. He's 38 now. Um, so is that mindset of, I still want to play a couple more years. Listen, he can play a couple more years physically. It's whether he wants to, does he want to, I don't know. He got a taste of what retirement felt like last season when he was staying away, gallivanting across Hawaii. And he said, he doesn't fear retirement. So does that timetable of, I want to play X amount more years change. Who knows? He hasn't told us that yet. Um, he, but he has said in the past that he doesn't want to go out like a lame duck. He hasn't said Ben Roethlisberger, but I'm saying he doesn't want to go out like a Ben Roethlisberger where his skill is clearly on decline for multiple years. He doesn't have to worry about that. So if the Packers come say to him this offseason, we will extend you for as long as you want to keep playing with us. I could see him saying, all right, I'm good for another three years at least. But it's interesting because when we talked to him after he won the MVP, he made it seem like one of the big factors in in determining whether he wants to keep playing or not is whether he just wants to commit to everything that goes along with preparing for a season. It's a grind. Everything during, during the offseason, you know, everything during training camp. He's 38 years old. And yes, I bet he does want to go down in the same vein as as Tom Brady in terms of longevity, not in terms of success, because Rodgers is never going to get to seven Super Bowls, I, th- I think. But he has repeatedly said that that commitment, both with us and, and with McAfee, what it will take to kind of gear yourself up mentally and physically, get ready for the offseason grind um, to prepare for a season. So has that changed his outlook on how long he wants to play? I don't know. As for the contract, I'm looking at the story I did with, with Michael Giannitti, who uh, is a, a good salary cap guy who runs the site spot track. What he laid out is a two year extension for $92 million, um, essentially fully guaranteed kind of like a Kirk Cousins style deal. 
So he's under contract through the 2024 season and then 2025 and 2026 are void years to to offset the the salary cap hits early in the contract. That would free up a decent amount of calorie, salary cap space this year. Um, but would it be worth it down the line? Probably. I think you could also do a three-year $120 million extension fully guaranteed. Listen, I don't think at this point it's about the money for Rodgers. Like I said, I think it's about the want to do it. Sure, it would be nice for him to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. And he probably has earned that right now. Um, not just because of what he's done, but what he's still capable of doing. There's no reason to think he can't produce at least three more seasons of near MVP caliber level play. So would a two-year or three-year extension worth well into the $40 million per year be reasonable? Probably. But you, you'd probably have to add some some void years onto the end of that so uh, the salary cap stuff would work out. You're not anticipating that void year being the third year. You're thinking that it's an extension on top of this next year and then two years on top of that. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah. What what I have here is basically in 2022, his his base salary is 1.1 million with a signing bonus of 32.4 million. Um, and this this would be if the extension happens and a cap hit of 33.9 million. Uh, right now, without the extension, his cap hit is 46.4 million. With the, ex- the two-year $92 million extension, it would go down to 33.9 million. So you'd save about 13 million or free up about 13 million in cap while adding on 2023 and 2024 um, to his deal. And then 2025 and 2026 would be void years. So I'm no salary cap expert, but that makes sense if that's the path the Packers want to go down. Brandon M., thank you for waiting. What do you got? No worries. Appreciate doing this. Um, two quick questions. One, I, I'm not asking you to report anything. I'm more of just about interested in your inner workings. Do you hear things from your colleagues and friends around the industry that are just rumblings? Uh, we see things all on Twitter and stupid websites all the time, but you guys are a lot more connected. Uh, I should say on Twitter, not from the people on the beat. Um, but you guys are way more connected. Obviously, you're not reporting unless you know something. But I'm just curious if you do hear things, um, you know, across the league and get rumors and, and rumblings and ones that you trust. Um, and then the second part is I'm kind of surprised that Carolina isn't more of a destination place for this. Um, I know that they probably don't have a lot to trade back in terms of players unless they were going to do J.C. Horn or something like that. But they've got good cap space moving forward and they've got receivers, DJ Moore and uh, uh, Robbie Anderson are pretty decent. McCaffrey's mm-hmm. there. The defense played really well with a lot of good corners. Um, I'm just kind of surprised that's not more of a, a destination, knowing that they have that, I believe, what, the sixth or seventh pick? It's possible. You know, I, I guess Carolina's been overlooked a little bit just because they're in the NFC, but you bring up a good point. I didn't, I hadn't really done uh, the dive into their their roster construction, but they do have a good team. They obviously started 3-0, and but quarterback's their biggest biggest problem and Christian McCaffrey not being able to stay healthy is also another big problem. And, and a 38, 39 year old quarterback is going to want a running game that can help him out like the one they have in green Bay. So it's certainly possible. Um, what was the first part of your question? I'm sorry. No, uh, just that. I'm curious of how, what, what do you hear? Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. All the time. 
and I'll, I'll, br- I'll give you guys a specific example without giving away too much. Um, three days before training camp started this year, or last year, I should say, I was told by someone who I trust that Aaron Rodgers was not showing up to camp. But as is the case with any, anything you hear, you have to vet it. You have to check with other people. You can't just get anything you hear and tweet it out because as the reporter, you got to go into anything you hear with, you know, caution. You got to be a a natural skeptic to say, okay, what if this isn't true? Because if I get something wrong like that, that is a stain on my career. I, I can't have that not only for myself, but you guys deserve to know the, the accurate truth as well. So over the next couple of days, I kind of vetted it and, you know, it kind of became more wishy-washy. And then Aaron Rodgers obviously decided to come back. So it turned out from when I was told that he was not coming to he was, things obviously changed very quickly. So even if I had reported that when uh, I got that information, I wouldn't have been wrong to do it because, you know, it was accurate information at the time, but optically it would not have been great for them three days later for it to come out that, oh, he just changed his mind. He, he is coming now because it doesn't look good for any of my readers or subscribers or anyone in this chat to say, all right, Matt gave us this information. Now it's different three days later, even if he is right, maybe do some more due diligence on it. And that's what I did. And that's why I didn't report it because as I did more digging, I found out that, you know, I got the sense that things might've been changing a little bit, or that might've not been entirely set in stone what I was told. But yes, we are told and hear things all the time that we can't report either because they're off the record or because we need more context or it's not the full story. So maybe one day after I'm all said and done covering the Packers, I'll write a book with everything I've ever heard and and drop all these little nuggets. But sometimes, and I know this is kind of a little bit of a tease and it's unfair to you guys, but whether it's because it's off the record or it's because, you know, there's not enough context behind it to accurately and, and fully report the extent of the story. There are plenty of things that we hear that, that go unreported. So I apologize for that, but it's just part of the, us doing the job. No, no thanks. That's, that's the whole point of the question is more, I'm interested in the backyard or, you know, the back stuff that you guys get. I, I couldn't imagine getting that book from, you know, a spoon or a Bill Huber or a <laughs> or anybody like right. that's been there for decades. Oh, I bet. I bet they have some, I've heard some crazy stories from them, um, so I, I can't imagine what, what they'd have for a book. Appreciate the question, though. Thanks. Back up. Hey, Matt. Just kind of a quick yes or no. In your opinion, are the Packers, do they win the Super Bowl if they do get Obel Deckham Jr.? Do you they actually win the Super Bowl if he's the number two on that uh, divisional game and not Lazard? No, I, I don't think so because I don't think the the depth at receiver was the problem in that game. Aaron Rodgers had been making throws to those receivers 
all season. I mean, Alan Lazard had five touchdown catches in the last five games of the regular season, um, which was second most in the tie for second most in the NFL behind his teammate, Devontae Adams. So I don't think receiver depth was the problem in the playoff game. I think Aaron Rodgers making some really bad throws and uncharacteristically mediocre throws was the problem. And also the special teams. Um, Lazard was not the issue. He was thrown one pass. Randall Cobb was thrown one pass. Yes, they probably could have created more separation, but there's no guarantee that Odell Beckham Jr. would have made Aaron Rodgers throw the ball better. And I can guarantee you Odell Beckham Jr. would not have uh, told anyone to put an 11th guy out there on special teams. Odell Beckham Jr. wouldn't have said, get Tyler Lancaster off the field goal block unit. Odell Beckham Jr. would not have said, uh, Stephen Wordle, put your feet in the ground and block the guy who's coming on to block the punt. Um, so, yeah, sure, sure, it probably would have helped. Maybe Odell would have gotten open more and, and Rodgers wouldn't have, you know, given the ball to Devontae or forced it to Devontae on that one play or forced it to him as much. But I don't think we can look at that as the difference. I think it's easy to in hindsight because of what Odell ended up doing. But I don't think that would have uh, made too big of a difference, especially in that game. Good, It's a good hype. Mitchell, what do you got? Mitchell, what do you got? Hey, Matt, awesome of you to do this. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us. And um, I just want to say all this trade talk and all the Rodgers drama, it's great to be back in 2007, 2008, end of the farther <laughs> era. But um, in what I've seen and, and what Rodgers has spoken about is his relationship with receivers being so important to him. Do you really think there's more than – I would say one or two teams in the league that he would go to. Um, I, I've heard Carolina. I don't think a, a DJ more Robbie Anderson connection would be something that Rodgers would look at and say, hey, that's a, a wide receiver tandem that I want to play with and want to spend two years getting to a point where I know what they're thinking. Do you really think uh, – I, I see maybe like San Francisco, um, New Orleans, if they weren't in such cap hell and just a few others as, as viable destinations for him, just because I see him as saying, if I'm not somewhere where I have a top five team ready to go around me, I'll just retire and go host Jeffrey. Any thoughts on kind of that? And do you see that being kind of a, a reasonable? Yeah. You know, what's interesting, which we haven't really gotten a straight answer to is um, when Rogers agreed to come back last season, whether it was written or unwritten, what he and the front office agreed to in terms of uh, if he wanted to trade after this season, would they trade him to a team that he wants or would they just be more willing to facilitate a trade, but they get to choose who it's to? Rogers told us before training camp that it was not his understanding that, you know, the team would be any more willing to facilitate a trade if he wanted one. Has that changed? Was he just not telling us the truth? I don't know. Um, I do think if the Packers say, hey, we're trade," like I said, if, if the Packers say, hey, we're trading you to the New York Giants or, hey, we're trading you to uh, what other team stinks? We're trading you to the Miami Dol well, the Dolphins don't stink. Uh, you, you get the point. If it's a team that Rodgers does not feel is presently equipped to win a Super Bowl, does he just say, oh, I'm retiring? He could pull the Rob Gronkowski, and I believe the story, is, as Gronk told, it goes the Patriots were going to trade him to the Lions, and Gronk said, no, I'm going to retire. 
I think Rodgers could do that. Um, there's no way he's going to go play for a team that he doesn't think can can win a Super Bowl. Does he think the Carolina Panthers can? I'm not sure. I bet he thinks the Denver Broncos are, are better equipped to do that than another team. I, I could see Pittsburgh. I could see San Francisco. I could see Philadelphia, probably not. But yes, I agree with you that if the Packers come to him and if Rodgers says, I want to trade, and the Packers say, okay, here's where we're trading you, Rodgers could very well say, no, I'm retiring. And then the Packers don't get anything in return. So the Packers would be incentivized to trade him to a team that he wants to go to so they can get something in return. Because if he just says, nah, I'm retiring, you're not trading me there, then they don't get anything. Um, at least in terms of, you know, in terms of, you know, draft picks and draft picks. Stuff like that. No, and then my other question was just with the fact that, I mean, some of these quarterback draft classes the last few years have just not been quite what we expected. And these ones from my early leading, I'm no college football expert, I'll be honest with you, but this year's draft class, for example, isn't exactly a strong quarterback draft class. And right, if what right. we saw out of love is what he's going to be, that's not going to be anything above maybe a six and 11 team with a 17 game schedule it is. So at that point, do we mortgage the future for cap set base or do we mortgage it and go absolutely no? I mean, we're in cap, absolute cap hell right now. And it is mm-hmm. there a way it kind of, like you said, we're no salary cap expert. It takes guys with, way more math skills than any of us probably have to, to figure that stuff out. And um, it, it's just kind of, to me, a wait and see game of, do we go and maybe mortgage the next four years on a quarterback that may or may not be there? Or do we go with the proven commodity for four years, but have no idea what we can surround them with is which would you see as the lesser of two? So you're saying would they go if Rodgers leaves? You're saying would they go with Jordan Love or draft someone else this year? Necessarily this year, I don't see them drafting someone this year. I see kind of like you said a Mariota side um, or, or right. someone along those lines. Um, I think Mariota, I mean, would be even a great backup if nothing else. I mean, Ben Coot has has upside, but if we could stash Mariota somewhere. That's someone that you know can come in and, and lead a team for games. Um, so that that's mm-hmm. a great upside if we were to lose Aaron. But um, do you see – just what do you see as the lesser of two evils, trying to find a, another quarterback in the draft if love doesn't work out or um, kind of sending our cap into misery for the next five? Yeah, it's interesting because it all depends on what the team genuinely thinks of, of Jordan Love. And we don't exactly know. And, and I know we haven't, you know, talked too much about Jordan Love in here yet, but um, I don't think it's fair to draw any grand conclusions about what he is or who he'll become as a quarterback. Have I seen anything that gives me any hint that he'll be a good starter? No, but that's also not fair to say he won't be a good starter or he'll never be a good starter because he didn't have a rookie preseason. You, you guys know. He was injured this preseason, missed half the preseason, and there were only three games. Was thrust into the Kansas City game in Arrowhead. That's not exactly an enviable situation. And then 
was thrown in with some of the starters out against Detroit in a meaningless second half of a, of a regular season finale. The team will never come out and say, nope, Jordan Love isn't it. The only sign we'll get that Jordan Love isn't it is when they get rid of him. They have no point to come out and say it publicly on the record or say it anonymously through a leak that Jordan Love isn't ready. Because if they do, then it just tanks his trade value uh, if the Packers are indeed considering trading him. So there would be no point to do that. I just don't know if if Jordan Love is ready. If if he starts this coming season, if Rodgers retires or gets traded somewhere and Jordan Love starts and he stinks, then I think they look into the next draft uh, for for a potential replacement um, just to at least challenge him. If he's good, then I think they still go with that that veteran backup role, Mariota, whoever it may be in the coming years to kind of compliment him. So uh, it'll be fascinating. I, I don't even know if the Packers think they have an accurate gauge on where Jordan Love is just because he hasn't done uh, anything in games. Will they ever get an accurate gauge? Well, that depends on if Rodgers is here or not, because, you know, you're never going to get like a true gauge on what Jordan Love can do in preseason. You're never going to get a true gauge on what he can do in regular season if Rodgers is still here. So the only way to find out if Jordan Love is your future is if Rodgers leaves. People who say, oh, you know, part of the reason we should move on from Rodgers is to see what Jordan Love has. No, that's I'm sorry if anyone in here said that, but that's dumb. You don't move on from who has been the best quarterback during the last two regular seasons just to see what an unknown commodity has. You don't do that. Um, The only way you see what Jordan Love has is if Aaron Rodgers retires or if he requests a trade and you grant that request. So it'll be fascinating. As I wrote yesterday, the biggest storyline is obviously what happens with Rodgers. And then next, I think, is what happens with Adams. But, you know, the domino effect of Jordan Love, whether Rodgers leaves or stays is going to be absolutely fascinating to watch. Let's get to two more Clayton and Arjun. I hope I'm pronouncing that right before I get to some questions that have been written down in the chat and then we'll get out of here. I can't thank you guys enough for with me. Clayton, what do you got? Hey, thanks. Um, I'm a massive Rogers fan, but you kind of just touched on my question. What does this off season say about Jordan's love's progress? if we're still trying to keep him or sorry, if we're still trying to keep Aaron Rodgers, when we, if we put on your GM hat, wouldn't you want to take the rookie QB um, on a lesser deal and still keep your great roster? Yeah, that that's, that'll be interesting because like we touched on um, a little bit ago, I think at least until that fifth year option, the Packers would keep Jordan Love. Potentially, there there are two things the Packers can do if they extend Rodgers when, when it pertains to Jordan Love. They can keep him through uh, the 2022 and 2023 season and not ex- or I, I should say not exercise his fifth year option next offseason. And then like the Bears did with Mitch Trubisky, for example, and then keep and then keep him in 2022, 2023 and then make a decision on him once he hits free agency after the 2023 season. or they can trade him right now and get whatever they can in return because, you know, backup quarterback is one of the most important positions in the sport. And obviously the Packers know that that's why they drafted Jordan Love. That's why they drafted Aaron Rodgers. 
Everyone in here knows that. So if they extend Rodgers and keep Jordan Love as a good backup policy, then they risk losing him, let's say, in free agency in a couple of years for nothing. Or does Brian Gutekunst say, you know what, from everything I've heard and seen at practice and in, you know, these sparse sample sizes in games, I don't think we're ever going to get anything more than what we would now for him in return if we extend Rodgers. So let's try and recoup a late round or a mid-round draft pick for him. They're not getting a first rounder. They're not getting a second rounder. They're not getting a third rounder, I don't think. But as was just mentioned, according to everyone who knows this draft better than I do, it's not a great quarterback draft. Are there teams out there who would rather trade a third round pick for Jordan Love because he'd be more ready to step in right away than Malik Willis or Sam Howell or Kenny Pickett. It's possible. It certainly is. I've seen people on Twitter say Jordan Love is more pro ready than any quarterback in this draft right now. And that Jordan Love would be the number one quarterback in this draft if he were coming out. Now, two years under Aaron Rodgers, probably even more so the number one quarterback in this class, if that's a possibility. So that's an instance in which I could see the Packers seeking a trade for him right now just to maximize his value because the longer he sits, the less his value is. Um, But then there's also, do they want to keep him as an insurance policy because they know what they have in him? He knows the offense. He's cheap for now, or would they rather spend more on another backup? It's a fascinating conundrum. You, You bring up two really good points. What do you think if, if they extend Aaron Rodgers for two years, what do you want to see the Packers do with Jordan Love Clayton? I mean, it really, it really boils down to how they see him in practice. Is he is yeah. he a dude in practice, or is he just missing everything terribly? Well, we're only allowed to watch the first 20 minutes of practice during the regular season, and he's not even doing any real drills. He's just throwing against guys that aren't being guarded. No pass rush, no offensive line, no cornerbacks. The one day that I saw from Jordan Love that was, okay, this guy's got something, was a day during OTAs when he was – firing on all cylinders. But then the day before that, the day after that, he was mediocre again. So I really don't know because I don't get to watch him do actual stuff in practice. And if you ask Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, nobody's going to say, yeah, this guy stinks in practice. They're going to say, oh, his footwork's coming along or he's doing really well when that could be a a flat out lie. I've realized in, in my brief five years in this business covering the NFL they don't always tell the truth and they're not required to either. So the only people who really know how good he is and they may not even know because they haven't seen him in enough games where it really counts is the people within that locker room. So who knows? All right, let's get to one more. Did I say your name right? Uh, you did not, but it's okay. It's a okay. common uh, common mispronunciation. So it's, it's actually called it's pronounced Arjun. Arjun. Uh, okay. Sorry, what do you got? Well, I do first have to shout out my good friend, uh, Connor King, because I always talk to him about how I listen to your podcast and read all your art. So uh, you would be remiss if I didn't mention that. But now my question, it's more of like a comment. Um, as I'm listening to you answer these questions about Jordan Love, like what are your thoughts on the philosophy of drafting and developing a quarterback for you know several years like they're doing with Jordan Love? if ultimately we're two years down the line and like, yeah, I understand he doesn't have his rookie preseason and you don't really get to see him in live game action, except for, 
you know, the one game in Kansas City. But, like, if we're two years down the line and we and they still don't know really what they have, then what is the point of bringing him in and developing him versus just waiting till you need a quarterback, drafting him, and, and throwing a rookie in there? Because right. you don't know with rookie, and if you don't know with Jordan Love two years down the line, then, like, what have you been doing for the last two years, you know? Exactly. That, that's the million-dollar question. I think the Packers are in a unique position because they have – they're the only, you know – franchise presently in the NFL, you could argue that has seen that this method of waiting for so unconventionally long can work because, you know, I wasn't following the Packers back in 2008, but at this point in Aaron Rodgers career, after his second season, I don't think from what I've heard that everyone was sold on him being the next savior anyway, but it turned out that he was. So Maybe Brian Gutekunst looks back on that and says, you know what? Let's try our luck and hope it happens again. But he could also be thinking, you know, we saw some signs in practice and here and there in preseason and whatnot that Aaron Rodgers could be the guy. We haven't seen that from Love yet, so it could be completely different. Now, I have have been a big believer in saying that um, Jordan Love was not the right draft pick because – Quarterbacks just don't sit for three years anymore. And by the time they do, if they, I mean, they don't, but if they were to, you're either on your way out with another quarterback or their trade value has totally dried up. It's interesting though, obviously, like I said, with the franchise it's with, they obviously have a different perspective on how long a quarterback should sit. And Brian Gutekunst said, you know, we didn't draft Jordan Love to be the starter. We drafted him because backup quarterbacks are a really important position. Well, you could have probably used that first round pick on another position that could have possibly helped you get to a Super Bowl the last couple of years. They didn't do that. So that calls into question the pick in itself. Um, and then your point of if they still don't know what he is, then what the hell have they been doing? It's a valid question. And I don't think that's just a matter of they haven't seen him enough in games. I think that's a matter of if he hasn't shown you at least glimmers that he can be the guy through two years, whether it's in practice, preseason games, regular season games, like if you don't even have one or two things or three things that you say, okay, I, I could see that there. Cause Rogers definitely showed that in his first three years, it, even though he didn't put together a complete stretch of, Oh, this is our next franchise guy. He gave bits and pieces. hints. I don't know that Jordan love has done that. Maybe the front office feels differently, I don't know that he has. And if he hasn't, and he hasn't shown anything in the first two years, then I think that means he's not the guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. That's honestly like the last kind of part of what you said is sort of how I feel about it too, where it's like, yeah. no one's expecting him to be the next Aaron Rodgers. Or, I mean, I would love that, but no one's expecting me to be the next Aaron Rodgers or like Patrick Mahomes. But you hear, like, I always think about the, the anecdote that Andrew Brand always talks about where, Rodgers makes a throw in like his first training camp and Ted Thompson looks over at Andrew Brand is just like, we're, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Or like the stories you hear with Patrick Mahomes, like clearly Patrick Mahomes is a pretty unique player, but at least the players on the team and the coaches knew like, okay, we have something here. And that's after one year, right? Like forget about having a preseason or anything. Like if they knew that they had something, I feel like they'd know after two years. Right. And that, and that's what concerns me about love. It's not like, you know, you can have the argument on whether or not he was the right pick or like, you know, whether it was a smart move. You know, that's kind of besides the point at this point. It's it's just concerning to me that 
two years down the line, everyone's saying like, oh, we, we don't know what he is. Like that, that's kind of BS to me. Like they should know. Right. And, and putting on my tinfoil reporter hat for a little bit, um, there could be two reasons that those reports aren't being leaked out to, you know, Schefter, Rappaport, whoever, A, because you don't want to rub Aaron Rodgers the wrong way and make it seem like you're already have an eye toward Jordan Love when he's still your quarterback or B those reports of, Oh, we think Jordan Love is the next guy are not out there because they might not think Jordan Love is the next guy. So I think we'll get a better indication of how they feel about Jordan Love based on what they do with him. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers stays, um, if they trade him, that obviously means, you know, he, he's probably not great. If they keep him, that probably means they think higher of him and want to keep him just in case Rodgers retires or or gets injured. So we should get our first true hints at how they actually feel of Jordan Love because we're never going to get anything accurate based on what they they tell us in, in these, you know, vanilla Zoom press conferences. I wish I knew more. I, I wish I could see Jordan Love play in – four regular season games to get an accurate depiction of what he is, but you're just not going to get that when he's thrust into Arrowhead and completes only six passes to, to Devontae Adams on 14 targets. No matter how bad that is, you, you, you can't expect him to already have a, a seamless rapport with Devontae Adams when him and Aaron Rodgers have been working at it for, for eight seasons. So it'll be fascinating. I appreciate the question. Yeah, no, thanks for taking it. All right, let's go through some of the ones that you guys have written down, some quick hitters, then we'll get out of here. Once again, appreciate you guys for for sticking along. Um, from Mitchell, could you see this news of both sides being happy, but no decision yet, be a bit of PR? Maybe both sides saying it isn't a bad split if that happens. That's interesting because I think there is a possibility of that. I think you saw on Super Bowl Sunday – Schefter and Rappaport both put out that the Packers are willing to do whatever it takes to keep Rodgers. Well, we kind of already knew that because Matt LaFleur told us in a public press conference that every higher up in the organization wanted Rodgers back. That would imply that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get him back. But maybe the Packers, and I'm just speculating here, maybe the Packers know there's a chance he still requests a trade or retires. And if he does, they want all the fans to know that it wasn't their fault and they did everything possible to get him back. That's just me putting on my reporter hat, thinking about the possibility or, or reason for potentially having that news out there. Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball saying, listen, we know there's a chance Aaron leaves and we don't want any fans to think it was our fault like it would have been last offseason. So we're going to get it out there that we're, we're going to do everything it takes to keep him. So if he leaves, people then blame Rogers. So yeah, there's a PR game to everything. From Alex, is there any chance Rodgers extends and takes a cut to help the team? I don't hold anything against the player for getting the bag, but a lot of his frustrations with the team could be helped by some cap space. It's possible that he does a Tom Brady type deal. Do I think he will? No. Um, I don't know Aaron Rodgers as well as some other people. I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last three years through our our one-on-one -on -one chats and just being in every press conference he has pretty much. I think I've been to all of them. Um, not all of them, but you get the point. He just doesn't seem like the type of guy who would take anything less than he's earned. And nor should he. He's earned whatever money he makes. Any player who has paid a contract 
earned, has earned whatever any team is willing to pay them. It's kind of like when I asked Devontae Adams before the season, would you take uh, not being the highest paid wide receiver in the league if it meant you got to stay here with Aaron Rodgers? And he said, no, I'm going to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league because that's what I've earned. I don't blame anyone for having that that mindset. Now, could you then say, well, Rodgers, you want to win more championships like Brady, you got to take a pay cut like Brady. Sure, you could say that, but he doesn't owe anyone taking that pay cut. So it'll it'll be interesting to see if he does indeed do that. That was Matthew K's question as well. Mason L, what is the exact window for when he's likely to make his decision? McAfee's off for a week, so the earliest he announces, I feel, will be next Tuesday. If he does indeed announce on McAfee, it, it could it would probably be next week. I mean, Roger said uh, he mentioned February 22nd when he was on with Pat. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago because that's when teams can start franchise tagging players. And that's obviously with respect to Devonta Adams. I would expect the Rogers decision to come before the Adams decision. Um, because let's say Rogers signs an extension. Will then both sides be more incentivized Devonta Adams and the Packers that is to hammer out an extension to keep Rogers and Adams here long-term. But if Rogers leaves, the Packers might not want to do a long-term thing with Adams, or maybe they even don't franchise tag him because they say, you know, yeah, it would be great to have Devonta Adams, but let's clear up as much cap space we can, recoup as many draft picks, and move on from Rodgers and Adams. Should they do that? No. Will they? It's possible. So I think next week we could get a decision. Rodgers has made it seem like it could be very soon. So, um, let's see. Henry, have a quick question about J.J. Molson. Obviously, Crosby struggled last year, and he's eligible for release relief cap space, and we protected J.J. on the practice squad every week. College stats, and he only ever missed one extra point, but he hovered around 50% on field goals every year at UCLA. Have you heard anything about what they think or have seen from him to think he could be the starter? The only thing I've seen since we don't get to watch kicking in practice um, is that they protected him on the practice squad every week. They, they didn't, you know... They did pr protect a long snapper, and he eventually became their long snapper. So my my hunch is that they're protecting J.J. Molson because they want him to eventually become their kicker. I can't tell you how he's done in practice because, like I said, we don't, we don't get to watch kicking in practice. But um, not only – listen, this year wasn't all Mason Crosby's fault. It was partially his fault, and he certainly didn't kick as well as he did the last two seasons. But – Combine that with his cap hit and that they could free up a couple million by cutting a kicker who is um, seems to be on the decline. I think it's a, a guarantee that they cut Mason Crosby. And the only thing I can read between the lines and how they feel about Molson is that they protected him on the practice squad every week. And you don't protect a kicker on the practice squad every week unless you feel confident that if called upon, he can deliver. Let's see. Let's get one more. Hmm. Did Rodgers or Matt LaFleur ever acknowledge that receive from Matt E? Great name. Ever acknowledge that receivers were open all day against San Francisco, yet Rodgers still locked in on Devontae Adams. Also, he wanted Cobb and he hardly threw to him, especially against San Francisco. Yeah, like we said uh, earlier in the chat, one target for Cobb. Maybe that's just Cobb wasn't healthy and ready to play as much as we were led on to believe, and the Packers just pumped him up as, you know, the locker room guy, the guy that everybody loves coming back, but one target and it was kind of a throwaway pass. I was really surprised by that. Nobody's ever going to acknowledge that Rodgers just locked in on Devontae Adams. Um, 
Certainly, you can argue that anyone watching the game could say that. But like I said, you can really only pinpoint one egregious instance of where he shouldn't have thrown it to Devontae Adams. Most times, throwing a contested ball to Adams, throwing a ball to Adams where he's tightly covered is going to end better than throwing a ball to someone else who's a little less tightly covered. So I don't blame him for throwing it to Devontae Adams, regardless of the coverage on most plays, as long as another guy isn't as open as Alan Zarbo's. But no, they will not ever publicly acknowledge that. That's just the way it works. All right. That's what we've got. Can't thank you guys enough for tuning in. Hour and 20 minutes. No pauses. We're going to try and do this, you know, whenever there's something newsworthy. Um, we still got 62 people in here. After Rogers makes a decision, we'll fire one up. After Adams, we'll fire one up. Free agency, draft. Let's do a couple more of these. They were fun. Let me know on Twitter or wherever in the comments of my stories what you thought. And appreciate you guys for asking questions and for those who, who just tuned in. So we'll catch you next time.